The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Thank you for all coming today. It's good to see you here. And um, what we'll do is uh, we'll go ahead and introduce ourselves and then um, talk about what we're planning on doing today and then uh, get started with our, our program. So my name's Jeff Harden, and I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Insight World Aid. Uh, also, I'm an emergency room physician, I guess a meditation instructor. I have a number of different hats, and um, this is my partner. So um, I also offer my welcome. I'm Nancy Smee, and... Um, my primary career has been as a nurse midwife, uh, but then I went back and got my Ph.D. and became a researcher and a professor. And um, so that is also what I do. And then I practice and teach yoga as well and a, a co-founder of Insight World Aid as well. And today, um, the, what we're, why we're gathered here is for um, what we're calling a symposium. <clears throat> That's kind of an interesting word. I, I looked up the etiology of it. It means to, to drink with. Uh, and it goes back to the times of the Greeks. So we're not serving any drinks, actually. Here. Actually, there's tea back there. Yes, there is tea. So. <laughs> but um, what we wanted this to be is really an experiential um, discussion really, of how uh, it is to be living at this time and to be, um, what, a patient, someone who has various degrees of health and illness, um, and also to be a caregiver and what that looks like in our modern technological world and how um, we can work with it uh, meditatively using the skills of mindfulness and compassion and um, also to keep coming back to the central um, theme that uh, self-compassion and, and self-inquiry are really essential, I think, to the healing process um, and really a big part of uh, what um, both of us have learned about um, health and illness and, and uh, working uh, both as caregivers and care providers and also as... Uh, uh, patients and people who have their own health uh, issues, I suppose. What do you Did you want to say anything? About no. Oh. Okay. So that's that's was kind of our plan, but um, we'd be happy to hear from you and and you know why you're here or, or if there was anything um, given that broad overview that you would l like to get out of this. Um, what brings you here today? And um, we don't, uh, I guess we, for comments, I'd, we'd like to use the mic, so maybe I'll, um, maybe you could run that if anyone wants to um, comment on why they're here today or what they would like to get out of this um, session. Okay. 
I've <clears throat> worked all my life um, as an ICU nurse. And just this last, so basically as a caregiver. And um, then I've been kind of forced into early retirement a couple of years early because of um, getting a cancer diagnosis towards the end of last year. And it's very early and supposedly cured and so forth. But that um, being on the other side and wearing the patient gown far more frequently than I uh, um, care to <clears throat> um, really opened up my eyes as to what it's like to be on the other side too. So um, I guess I'm just here because a subject interested me. Um, as I look at not probably not being able to ever work in the same capacity as I had in the past, um, I probably will be um, doing some kind of volunteer work or um, something to, uh, there's a part of me that is, does want to contribute and felt that um, I was in my former job. So anyway, that's why I'm here. Thank you. <clears throat> well, um, yeah, from my point of view, I've been studying disease my whole life, you know, really kind of as an outsider. Uh, it was been, uh, in the beginning, at least, was my framework, you know, as someone going into the um, medical field and going through all the various uh, stages of training and really uh, framing that uh, experiences, you know, kind of a scientist, you know, that's how kind of modern medicine is um, uh, traditionally framed in terms of the scientific model of looking uh, at, at uh, a system from the outside and um, there's certain values that can be measured about that and certain hypotheses that are can be formed and uh, from that information, um, action can be taken. And, and so um, over the last uh, decade or so, uh, that um, model for me personally has failed, and I'll talk about how I see it in the healthcare system is failing on a more systems level. Um, but just coming to terms with some of my own illness and uh, working in the, the trenches of the busy emergency room, um, to see how you know such um, so much can be accomplished with modern medicine, but what at what cost and what gets left behind. So that's what I'm going to talk about for a little bit here, and then we're going to do some experiential work around it, and then we'll have a short break, and then Nancy will talk about um, her part. That's that's our plan. So I wanted to start with um, kind of a little experiment here um, called. Uh, Name your favorite disease or, you know, speak to what um, illness maybe is near and dear your heart. And if this is, if this is too personal or you, um, you know, you'd rather not say, but um, I'd like to just kind of create a little list of different things that are out there that, that you know, we're plagued with, that we, that we suffer from. Anyone... Uh, 
mental illness. Okay, yeah. And that takes on a lot of uh, different forms. Anyone else? Yeah, just, just, you just, call, you can just call them out. The, the big C? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we have a ringer here in the audience, somebody whose life study and work is for, with that. Heart disease, yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, two things. It's one is stress. Stress. So pain syndromes, what did you say? Or Yeah, and you, you don't have to um, raise your hands. You can just kind of yell them out. Uh, and they don't have to be ones necessarily that you're suffering from, but maybe a loved one or, or ones that you think is worth being mentioned in this way here today. Chronic neck pain, yeah. Huge amount of uh, people with that. Diabetes, yeah. Weight issues, okay. Anxiety, yes. Seeing the doctor's writing coming out here. Oh, injury from chiropractor, okay. of independence living. We could go on. I don't know if anyone has one more favorite one or, or we want to stop there. Um, I just <clears throat> wanted to do that as a kind of a, um, I don't know, a visual on just some of the things that we're, we're facing um, in our lives. And... Um, you know, to a certain degree, these these diseases can, um, well, certainly, they, I guess you could say, and it's up there, loss of independence, you know, they kind of can limit us and have a, a huge impact on the quality of our lives. The, and these are just also just diagnoses. <clears throat> um, you know, it's also kind of framed as, uh, forms of suffering that we experience. 
and we all, you know, these are these are unique uh, manifestations that we have, but they're also um, something that we are all subject to. I mean, these bodies um, are amazing that we have, but they also um, they break down and they they uh, fall under the this way of these various um, different ways that systems fail. Um, as uh, Hamlet said, uh, this is the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that the flesh is heir to. So with with modern medicine, and, you know, I'll just use that term, but, it, you know, it has a lot of different terms, uh, meaning some people call it allopathic medicine or uh, mainstream medicine. You know, certainly there's different forms of um, medical care we can get in this society uh, from different types of traditional medicines and herbal medicines, acupuncture, osteopathy and chiropractor and Tibetan medicine and Ayurvedic medicine are some of the different um, other schools. But um, what I have studied and what I know is modern medicine. I think most people who get ill in our society, you know, go to that First, and that's certainly you know the a big um, huge uh, well it's a, a medical industrial complex really there's a whole uh, huge amount of our gross national product that is spent in um, this healthcare industry that we find ourselves in the um, In addition to, um, sorry, I'm just kind of losing my train of thought here. I want to say that um, from the perspective of mainstream medicine, there are a lot of uh, treatments available. The, the way mainstream medicine works, at least the way I was trained, is there's the disease model, uh, which is... Um, these are all diseases. They have a cause that can be known um, in some cases, in many cases, and then there can be interventions uh, in the biological processes that take place to uh, intervene with the, the um, causative factor, the pathological factor, to affect a cure. And that's kind of what I learned in medical school, and that probably goes back to the time of the Greeks, I would say. <clears throat> There's been a kind of a revolution over the last um, couple of decades of moving away from that. That's very, I think that's a very effective model for treating a lot of diseases, you know, diseases that have distinct causes, such as injuries, infectious diseases. Uh, I would put in probably certain uh, forms of cancer, um, ways that we can understand the biology and intervene. There are a whole slew of uh, illnesses that are less successfully treated, I think, by um, modern medicine. And, and we looked at some of them, certainly the mental illnesses, some of the degenerative illnesses, and illnesses that have multiple causes um, or variable causes are a lot more refractory to being treated, and we're, and we're starting to see that. <clears throat> so... Um, 
with the uh, emphasis on treating the, the disease, one thing that sometimes gets left out is is what the the human, the person that has the disease, is. Um, you know what? What is the quality of life? What is the value? What are their um, the meaning for them? And uh, I think medicine is transitioning from a very paternalistic approach of um, the team, not just the physician, but the team, medical team, uh, acting on a patient to get certain outcomes. And that we're seeing that as um, maybe a switch from the disease-centered view of, of uh, treatment to uh, maybe a person or a human or a patient-centered view. There's also um, a growing recognition of the, the mind-body link, you know, that uh, these diseases, um, you know, even, even things like injuries or infectious diseases have um, certainly there's this huge influence of our minds on our bodies. You know, some examples would be that people who are uh, under stress have suppressed immune systems and that um, people who suffer from depression take longer to heal after major surgery. These are, these are some examples. Um, also, you know, a very common one that I think we all know experientially is that uh, fear decreases our uh, threshold for pain or our subjective experience of pain. Now, um, with um, also there's been a switch, I would say, from the goal being to cure disease and this is this is still happening. Um, you know, certainly I think most healthcare providers want to cure disease, but a switch to um, maybe looking at the whole picture and being uh, we have this term palliative medicine now, which the goal is not so much to eradicate the disease, but to um, provide uh, really amelioration of the symptoms and of the suffering that that is attendant with the diseases. So we're we're seeing that shift too. And uh, you know. Personally, as um, someone who's a care provider, healthcare provider, and also someone who has, have, I've had my own illnesses, I've, um, <clears throat> and a meditator, and someone who um, teaches meditation, I've really kind of reframed, um, you know, what the goals of medicine are uh, for me. You know, they, the goals, of course, of the healthcare provider and the person receiving them sometimes are at odds. But they should, of course, you know, it goes without saying, be um, geared towards the uh, the person who's receiving the health care, you know, and, and what their values in life, what they're looking, you know. Oftentimes we can get um, treatment of disease and sometimes even cures. You know, maybe cancer might be a good um, example where there's there can be, uh, you know, an uh, increase in uh lengthening of life, but not the quality of life can, can be um, sometimes problematic. So today um, I want to, um, that's just kind of a theoretical background for saying, you know, so how do we get from all of this and living with these diseases and the, and the, the suffering that um, comes with them, how do we get from there to actually, um, you know, and a lot of these, you know, really can't be cured, right? Um, I mean, I guess stress could be cured <laughs> if we just kind of uh, 
step back from our busy lives, but you know, a lot of pain syndromes can be ameliorated with medications and, and lifestyle changes and, and um, what's called adjuncts, that is other forms other than medications, other forms of treatment. Um, but things, some of these are chronic and progressive diseases that can't be cured, so we live with them. And how can we use uh, meditation really as a way to um, be an ally in treating um, or living with uh, illness? And uh, that's what we're going to talk about. And um, from my perspective, and Nancy's going to give you her perspective in a little bit, it really comes down to two fundamental aspects, and that is... um, kind of a marriage between uh, mindfulness and compassion. You know, mindfulness is um, uh, basically a awareness of what's happening in the moment in our bodies and our minds, really our experience. And compassion is, is the kind and caring um, confrontation or awareness of suffering that's present in that moment. So really these two, um, I think, are an integral part of, of whether we're being um, effective caregivers or, or we're facing an illness. And um, there's something about just um, the, the, you know, that's the theoretical aspect of, of mindfulness. And, and, you know, and actually in practicing it, we, you know, here at IMC and, you know, a, a lot of us, who do mindfulness meditation um, develop the skills in a formal way through a sitting practice, sitting meditation practice, and then also in our life, your, our daily life. So we want to um, um, kind of build this muscle of being aware of things. You know, usually we have a lot of filters, and especially with illnesses, we can we can develop a whole persona around our illness. You know, I am the person with you know. I don't know, chronic back pain, or I, you know, I, I myself had a uh, open heart surgery uh, two years ago, had an aortic valve replacement, and there can be a whole uh, series of stories around, you know, what happened, why, why me. Um, there can be um, a lot of ideas, um, a lot of fear and anger, you know, it's grieving processes perhaps from how life used to be, a loss of, of function, and um, all of that is really attendant I think with any any disease but what mindfulness what we aim to do is to really see that there's the experience you know for me in sitting in the hospital post-op day two um, having severe pain I was just you know kind of really contracted around that pain and um, you know there's medicines that you know helped out quite a bit Uh, but um, in that moment even though I, you know, there was fear and is this ever going to stop and, you know, why me and all of these, these stories, there was also these moments of, of insight of saying, okay, this is, this is changing. A lot of, of mindfulness meditation has to do with observing change. This is changing and it's, you know, and I, I, so it was kind of this dance of being stuck and mired in this, this really suffering situation to breaking free of it at times. And I really attributed that to many years of practicing and, and you know, going into it uh, open-minded. So um, we're going to do in a few minutes, I just want to make sure we're keeping to our schedule. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing good. Um, in a few minutes, we're going to do a, uh, a guided meditation here and then uh, some discussion around that. But um, 
the other piece I wanted to say about, um, and I believe you're going to talk a lot about compassion, is your piece, or? Yeah. Um, actually, feel, feel free to. I'm going to talk about uh, primarily being a caregiver and developing compassion and what that means in terms of caregiving. Um, so. Yeah. So I'm I'm more the piece about being the patient or, you know, the perspective of, of being, uh, uh, you know, because I think we're all both, you know, um, whether we're not professionally trained and we're caring for a loved one or, you know, raising children or, you know, whatever capacity of caregiving takes in our life, um, we're caregivers and we also are ones who um, will have uh, faced some of these conditions or some of our own. <clears throat> so... Um, That's what I had to say about mindfulness, that uh, um, this is a real skill that can bring us into the moment, let us see through some of the add-ons, you know, in addition to the exact this, the pain of the experience or the limitation, there's these, this add-on that's occurring to see through that at times and then to, to break free of that. Um, that's the, really the, the practice. And, it, of course, it's easier said than done, especially if you're in severe pain or there's been a, a, a condition you've been with for many years and have suffered from that and uh, have uh, um, had to, you know, re- reorganize your, your life. And, you know, some of the goals that were uh, available are no longer available. <clears throat> uh, let me just see if there's anything else I wanted to say about that. Are there any... Um, Questions or any comments anyone would like to make at this point before we go into our meditation? Yes? You know, all, all those things that are listed on the board there are like, are they, in terms of your knowledge, are they uh, modern day problems that they, did, they didn't really exist maybe that, that extent or maybe we just didn't discover them but we didn't have the diagnosis tools to discover them but it seems like a lot of these things are you know they didn't exist back in you know 50 60 years ago or 100 years ago environment or what well i, I do think a lot of these uh, conditions are more prevalent now um you know, if you look back, um, and there are, I have read some uh, historical studies of illness. Um, many of these were around, but certainly things like weight issues, the um, a lot of the mental illnesses, I think, are, and the stress, certainly, I think the stress of our life. Although all, you know, I, I think humans are just um, hardwired for stress. You know, it's it's in a way it's part of our adaptive nature, nature, you know, if we're faced with a difficult situation, certain things happen physiologically in the body and we respond, you know, there's this whole fight, uh, flight, fright or freeze response, adrenaline type response that happens in the body. What's happened as, you know, humans have evolved in our modern, modern society is that system is chronically activated. So our bodies, you know, it doesn't get shut off. You know, we don't encounter that saber-toothed tiger and then we go on, you know, we get out of that situation and everything's fine. We're constantly in this, you know, responding to emails or in traffic or, you know, trying to squeeze that extra hour into the day, whatever it is. So, um, you know, and I think the other thing that uh, 
part of your question, I think, is we're just recognizing more ways that we suffer and, and we're putting labels on them and, and, and that can be helpful at times to figure out, okay, there's this, this um, you know, macular degeneration probably, I don't know, many years ago it was just a form of, you know, loss of eyesight with aging. Um, you know, some of these conditions, uh, diabetes, you know, weight issues, a lot of these are just a lot more prevalent now and we're seeing them more and, you know, we're realizing that they have quite a toll. So we're, there's, you know, some effort to address uh, those um, more visibility. Also, I would just say that as people live longer, we see a different mix of diseases. So, um, you know, with antibiotics, we've primarily taken care of a lot of the infectious disease problems that people died from. But now as people grow older and older, cancer, um, heart disease, these sorts of things show up more than um, in a society where people die in their 50s or early 60s. Also, prior to the discovery of insulin, uh, diabetics would die probably younger than um, they would be able to pass their genes on. So some of these are genetic diseases. And likewise, I know your, um, the incidence of cancer increases quite a bit with age. So. So now, why don't we do a, a brief uh, guided meditation, and um, you can sit in a chair, whatever is comfortable. Very important uh, with any sort of meditation is to get into a posture that's both comfortable but alert, that balances uh, energy with relaxation. And if it's comfortable, you can close your eyes. Just take a moment to maybe drop away from all the theory that we've been talking about and check in for a moment with how things are for you in this moment. What's going on in the mind and the body? Take a few deep breaths in and out, seeing if that can help you relax a little bit more, become more present with your physical experience. And then allow the breathing to return to a normal rhythm. Spend a few moments developing awareness on the sensations of breathing, mindfulness of the in and out breaths. And you can place your awareness wherever you notice the sensations of the breath most prominently. It might be at the nostrils or the chest expanding or the belly. 
And see if you can sense into the actual physical sensations, the interior felt experience of your breathing in and breathing out. And if you find that the mind wanders off the breath, acknowledge that, let it be, and return the awareness to the sensations of the breath. We use the breath as the anchor of our awareness to help build this capacity to be present with the way things are in any given moment. Over and over again, as the mind wanders, bring it back to the breath, being present and letting be. And as part of the experience of being mindful of the in and out breaths, there's this aspect to breathing 
that it's constantly in flux. That is, it's impermanent, it's always changing. The breaths are not alike and they're always moving. When the mind wanders off the breath, it can be helpful rather than getting into a struggle is to have some of that compassion, self-forgiveness, bring the awareness back to the breath with kindness. Now that the mind's a little settled, I'm going to have you move your awareness into the whole body. And as part of this body is the mind, connected and linked. And reflect on how your experience is in this moment. What is going on in the body and the mind? So many different sensations, maybe pressure, tingling, warmth or coolness, maybe experience of pain or numbness. Spend a few moments sensing into the physical sensations of the body. you're doing that, if you notice anything happening in the mind, any thoughts or emotions connected, any maybe some stories about the body and the experience, see if you can acknowledge that. Whatever is your experience in this moment, acknowledge and let be.
And as you're exploring your body and mind in this moment, if something calls to you from your past, some aspect of maybe your health, your well-being, something aspect of your body, maybe some illness or how it was different in the past and that's coming to your awareness. See if you can acknowledge that too and allow that to be present. find that the mind is becoming agitated or caught up in a lot of thinking or distress, you can always just return to the sensations of breathing, our anchor of our awareness. Stabilize the mind for a few breaths and then return to body sensations, awareness of the mind. As with the breath, we can notice these sensations in the body, the movements of the mind. These two are in flux and constantly changing, nothing standing still. Always ephemeral, always impermanent. And in the last few moments of the meditation, you can return again to the sensations of the in-breaths and the out-breaths. Allow the body to relax and sense into the feelings of breathing.
Now before I ring the bell to indicate the end of the meditation, take a few moments to congratulate yourself for taking this time to nurture yourself, to reconnect with your body and your mind and to be present for yourself. to do now is, um, if, if you'd like, to break into groups of three. We have just the right number, but if you feel like you need to sit this out for whatever reason, that's fine. Um, but uh, no one should feel obligated to participate. Um, but what I'd like to do is to have groups of three dis- kind of discussing um, on whatever level you feel comfortable with, um, either this meditation that we just did or some uh, experience that you've had of dealing with illness, um, dealing with this body and mind that we seem to be randomly assigned to <laughs> um, and learn have to learn how to work with. And um, specifically what I would like to uh, uh, focus on is um, what is your own experience of your body and mind, um, either in the moment or in a particular aspect. And then how you've worked with it meditatively or how you, uh, maybe in this exercise we just did, how you've been able to um, uh, understand it or be experientially connected to to the body and mind. So those are the two questions. What is the experience and then how, how to work with it, with mindfulness. And what I'd um, like to propose is rather than have a open forum is that each person take time uh, maybe let's say about uh, four minutes to discuss that uh, from their own perspective and the other two can listen mindfully and just be present. And, you know, if the mind wants to uh, interrupt and offer a solution or uh, make a commentary, just notice that. And, and, you know, it's probably easier to not have that feedback here. We'll um, to just speak to our own experience and, and listen. And then as the person is speaking, they can also be mindful of you know what's going on in the body and mind. That's our practice really 24-7. So um, we can just uh, do that. And, I, and I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll keep time. Every four minutes I'll ring the bell to switch and we'll go through each of the three people. And then um, after that we'll uh, gather back uh, before our break. So you can grab your neighbor and go across the room, whatever. Take a moment now to 
settle back into your body and your mind and your experience. You can take a few deep breaths, reconnecting. And as we switch to the third person who will speak, uh, to remind you of the questions, it's what is the experience in the body and mind, either in the meditation or around some illness or experience? And then how have you worked with that, with mindfulness or compassion or in, in any other way? So once again, uh, letting the conversation dwindle and connecting again um, with your body and your mind for a moment. And then taking a second or two, a few moments to thank your group and then reconfigure yourself into the larger group, however you wish. about 10 minutes or so now for a larger discussion uh, before we have a, a, a period of break. And um, I invite anyone who'd like to, to comment on their experience. Probably best not to comment on your <laughs> partner's experience, um, but to speak, you know, from first person if you wish, or something else around this topic that you'd like to um, speak out or ask or discuss here with the larger group. Um, learned this technique or discover this technique through practice and all that. To me, the, the, the biggest positiveness is the source of comfort when I'm able to connect my, my thoughts or my anxiety or my pain or whatever it is with the body sensation at that particular point. It doesn't happen all the time, but whenever it happens, it's a very good source of comfort for me, and, and I seem to get strength from that to be more balanced or poised and move on. Yeah, thank, thank you for that. I, I think that's a very common experience that, you know, to actually re-embody or connect with the body can be very comforting and soothing, even even in the face of parts of the body that may be screaming out in pain, there can be some alleviation and in, in that. Thank you. Oh, yes. I was um, in, uh, for the moment uh, that the mindfulness exercise was happening, 
uh, there was quite a bit of a, a heart racing kind of experience happening to me. And so um, at that moment, I decided, because I was kind of taken by it, I decided this is not mindfulness. I mean, I was aware that it was happening. But um, in some way, I was more thinking that the mindfulness part would be that witness that is seen. And <laughs> the witness was the experience at the same time. So, um, and, you know, I was just thinking about, um, let's say, um, I work as a psychiatric nurse, you know. So, so I was dealing with my condition in that moment, my heart racing. And... Um, sort of feeling a, a, a sense of fear that is coming up. Now, I am thinking now about, I, I am a psychiatric nurse, and so I am thinking about then um, the same experience of somebody being in such distress that, um, that the witness is um, actually going to have a hard time. So in some way, the witness part is last, um, Ultimately, um, it doesn't happen all the time, but there are times that people are in such a distress where it almost feels like it's um, the container is not big enough to really hold it within the witness part. And so, there, um, while on the cushion, <laughs> you know, it's just sort of like. The idea came, okay, so soothing will be the next part to do. And I put the hand on my heart, and that helped. You know? and so at that moment, I was able to be uh, present to, to sensations, like my hand on the heart. And I thought that was, that's soothing. That's soothing, you know. And so it went, you know, the experience, the typical experience went away. Um, and so I was thinking, well, okay, so then at work in a difficult situation, how do I bring myself so that I'm fully available, you know, um, um, and, and how to bring that soothing part as a way. And I'm imagining it's going to be about knowing my limits, you know. At what point am I able to be there, and then at what point do I need to say, I need a cup of water right now or something. And then remind myself, I'm drinking water now. <laughs> so I think that those are, and so I'm making light of it, but it's it's what the difficulty presents like in the cushion might not be so different what it's presenting like at work or in other situations. And there are times when um, even though I'm aware of it, I am thinking of being mindful but it's actually, it, the experience has taken a hold of me. I'm not able to hold it at a distance. Thank you. Yeah. That was wonderful, you know, to, to translate something in a formal practice into your daily life. And, you know, it sounds like you have a whole toolbox full of things. Like, you know, I didn't give the instruction of putting your hand on your heart, but that's a wonderful, a lot of people do, I do that, and it's just a wonderful way when things are, you know, we never know what's going to happen when we close our eyes, but when things are spinning out of control to be able to soothe yourself in that way. I'm also wondering if, um, <coughs> if you have ever done that with a very anxious patient. Just put, no, put your hand on their heart. Oh, that can work really well. Yeah. I know it works very well with babies, 
that are very upset to just put your hand over their heart. Yeah. Um, this past month or so, um, the time I spent on the cushion has been very chaotic, and my mind just really couldn't calm down and a lot of chatter. And um, what I found really helpful is instead of, um, it's not to add any judgment, um, instead of trying to force myself to get back to that peaceful state to calm down and all that, I really just sit with my busy mind. Um, and actually turn it into an investigation. There is a lot of emotions there that I didn't understand. But you know, by not adding the judgment, over time I actually was able to understand all the layers of the emotions. Um, and also with that, it's actually in some ways kind of interesting, it helped me calm down in a different way that um, I was able to go back to my breath a lot of times. And that's always very soothing, you know, that actually um, is the form of concentration for me, being able to just focus on my breath. And, well, of course, you know, then it goes back to this chatter in my mind again, but that's okay, it's a kind of process. It just repeats itself over and over. But this uh, non-judgmental attitude, is, I found it extremely helpful, and I was able to do more meta for myself as well. Thank you. have a chronic pain um, and last night I experienced the, the numbs and the pins and uh, needles from from my feet to the hands and so left side was very much um, very much weak and uh, it was my reaction was was this stroke you know uh, and it's fear, fear, fearful. And I, I don't think I was still, um, uh, you know, I did aware of this. I, I was fearful, but I didn't do much, much for it. And then I go for the ma- massage, you know, looking for massage and something eating that if I eat something, it does forget the, forget the, the, the body body pain uh, but nowadays oh, when I sit when I sit it's mostly sloth, sloth and torpor just mostly whole time and sloth and torpor that's the that's why I feel that I should not sit too long and just um, do daily practice with like a uh, Doctor uh, uh Burma, Burma Burmian teachers, so that that so it's just so that I just go out walk and walk and do the uh, walking meditation. Uh, 
So that, that is what's going on. I, I don't know. Is it physical or sloth, sloth and torpor? Is physical or my physical? I do have sleepiness, uh, resistance maybe, or, or try to forget the pain or, or what? I, I do not understand. Why do I experience so much? Every time I'm lying down, it's just, uh, that's why, uh, that's the reason guide meditation was wonderful. <laughs> I can follow. <laughs> it was, thank you so much. You're welcome. So I just wanted to ask you one question there. So how, how do you work with, how do you work with the sloth and torpor when it comes up? Do you have any, um, Skills you'd like to, uh, or oh, technique that you use? I was uh, researching a lot of, about it because of, uh, this this become uh, just prevalent. It's just uh, all the time, and uh, I do go into sleepiness uh, when I have uh, some this interest subject with someone, and just right in front of somebody. I am almost gone. <laughs> so, uh, is this mental? Uh, I'm sure a lot of mental, and uh, um, uh, and also physical as well a little bit. If you guys have some suggestion, let me know. But I did research. Then, then there's a very good talk uh, from the Gill. Just uh, he addressed every sloth and torpor problem, every aspect. And please, if you have that problem, issues, and go for it. It's just wonderful. I'm so thankful for his uh, his idea, uh, how to deal with it. And but I I sleep I still mm-hmm. <laughs> goes yes I still. Did not solve all, all together yet. Thank you. But instead, I am doing um, walking meditation. So why don't we take um, about ten minutes, and uh, if you need to use the restroom or get a drink or stretch the legs, and then we'll uh, we'll come back here in ten minutes for Nancy's presentation and guided discussion.